Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Trevor Sikama, the co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, as well as a writer at the Pewter Report. And today we're going to talk about the team that Trevor covers. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and seeing how their offseason went, just to get you guys a little bit prepared for this 2017 season. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day all right trevor i just want to welcome you to the show listen to you guys um you and uh john over at uh, locked on nfl draft throughout the entire offseason i've taken a little bit break because you guys are getting into 2018 and it's too much on my brain to start looking <laughs> ahead that far in advance but uh i'll certainly once the college football starts back up i'll start listening to you guys on the regular yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't blame you for that. We're a little. We're a little crazy for trying to have this draft talk uh, three sixty five. But always good to come on with another uh, another locked on podcast. I love this little tree of uh, family that they have going over here in this company. So it's always good to uh, get on another podcast and and meet the people who are doing it on other places too. All right, man. Well, I, I want to talk about the Bucks off season because I know, at least from my perspective and a lot of other Falcon fans that I tend to. Uh, think uh, tend to have better opinions than some others. Um, the Bucks seem like the team that is most positioned to sort of make a, a leap in the NFC South this this upcoming season, um, based off some of the moves that they made this offseason to try to get their team to that next level where they can sort of not be just knocking on the doorstep of the playoffs, but potentially jump headlong into it. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of that possibility for the Bucks this season? Yeah, so I think, you know, I think the, it's it's still the Falcons' division uh, to take down. I still think they're the top dogs there, just because of how well that they played all season. And I know they they missed a big part of of what made them so good with their offensive uh, coordinator, but yeah, the Bucks certainly have made the flashier moves, and so it makes sense that they're the team that a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon for. There's a lot of talent, not only, well, not only talent, but there's a lot of young talent on this team. And so it's always fun to root for and get to know the young team that could be the next up and coming. A lot of people love to do that with that hipster little style of figuring out things before they happen. And the Bucks certainly have a ton of talent to get better. And they only missed out on the playoff by one game last year. Really, it was a tiebreaker that the reason they didn't get in. So you'd figure with the additions of... Chris Baker and Deshaun Jackson, J.J. Wilcox, and of course the draft that they had as well with with Howard and Godwin and Evans and, and those kinds of guys that are going to that have a chance to contribute very soon. That, that this roster, a tiebreak away from the playoffs last year, you've got to think that it's going to be better this year. And I know they're they're missing Martin for the first three games, but I don't, you know, in the long run, I don't think that'll hurt them too much. I think their running game will still be fine. You know, I, I will say, though, the NFC South, man, the NFC South is a tough division. It's a really tough to, And so there are a lot of people who are just saying the Bucks are that solidified second team in the division. And where 
if you ask me to rank the teams in the NFC South, how I think they're going to finish this upcoming year, yes, the Bucks would be in second. But man, it's 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 a lot. It's going to be a lot tougher of a task than just saying that because um, you know the Saints are always going to give teams trouble, and though they didn't make as many splashes as the Buccaneers did, they're still going to be good. They still have a ton of talent around them. And they have young talent coming in too. If they're healthy, and that's the key for the Saints, if they're healthy, they could be just as dangerous of a team. Obviously, the Carolina Panthers have Cam Newton, so he's a guy who's won an MVP before, led his team to a Super Bowl. You can never count him out. So I would say that, yes, it, it totally makes sense why people are on the Bucks, and, and with good reason because they have a lot of talent. But, man, it is still a tall task to finish up near the top and even get into the playoffs in this NFC South division. Uh, you, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson, and he is a guy that addition has caused me to lose a lot of sleep this offseason just because I've been a, I've always been a big fan of Deshaun Jackson. He he's always seems to be that guy that when you think you got him corralled, he's just going to hit you for that 60-yard bomb or something like that and just sort of suck the life out of you. And now that he's going to a team that already has a number one receiver, has one of the, the best young receivers in the league, uh, in Mike Evans, so Deshaun Jackson can sort of be fit into the role that he's really ideally suited for, which isn't a true number one, but sort of more of a, a complementary player uh, to sort of liken it to what the Falcons do. He's basically Taylor Gabriel on steroids with, you know, the Bucks version of Julio Jones. And with a quarterback in Jameis Winston, who, you know, I, I saw a stat a couple months ago on, on Pro Football Focus where they, they looked at, like, who – pushed the ball down the field the most, who had the most vertical throws or vertical yards mm-hmm. or something. And Jameis was right behind Cam Newton. And now with the changes the Panthers offense is expected to make, I would suspect that, you know, the Bucks offense uh, will be one of the most vertically oriented offenses and now adding a player like Deshaun Jackson to the mix. Throw into the whole notion, I saw an interesting stat as well, that uh, the Bucks were 0-7 last year in games where they gave up 25 or more points to their opponents. And, it, it, you know, the conclusion that you could draw from that is that they weren't good in shootouts because they didn't have enough explosive playmakers. You know, I know they dealt with injuries and whatnot and other sure. issues that sort of held them back. But it does seem like this Deshaun Jackson move really just checks all the boxes that you would want to sort of see this offense transform from what has the potential to be a very good offense, as the Falcons certainly experienced in that first week of the season, but um, can become consistently one of the better offenses in the league. Do you sort of agree on that same? Principle? Yeah, I, I, I like I like you bringing up Taylor Gabriel as an example, and I think it, it works to both ends because people. You know, I'm, I'm sure Falcon fans, because they watch him every game, they know how dangerous of a weapon Taylor Gabriel is, not just as a speedster down the field, but also in those short routes where you get him the ball immediately and you let his legs do the work. Um, he's also such an explosive athlete that his route running, he's able to separate on all kinds of different routes, and that's something that was huge for the Falcons' offense as well. The Bucks have never had that kind of player. And Deshaun Jackson, people got to realize he is much more than just, hey, go run, go run a nine route. Just start running. I mean, sure, he's going to take the top off a of defense and be a threat to those safeties to get some receivers and even the tight ends open over the middle and in the intermediate and short routes. He's going to be that player sometimes as a threat. But Deshaun Jackson is certainly going to play a role where he's running those shorter 
wide receiver routes where he's just going right across the line of scrimmage, basically, maybe on slant routes like we've seen with Taylor. So I, I like that, that you brought up Taylor Gabriel because that's the big thing about Deshaun Jackson is that he is going to impact the offense with and without the ball. And that's when those are the players, those are the wide receivers that are worth paying for in free agency. You know, you go get the guys and you draft the guys, certainly, that can be ideally your number ones, the guys that you want to develop into full-time starting wide receivers. And you want to be good enough at the draft to where you can fill your team with this and be able to replenish and, and um, I guess, restock your team and those kind of guys every now and then. But the guys that you go out and you get in free agency – the ones that are worth it are the players who do something with and without the ball. And I think that's a big deal, especially for a vertical passing offense like Dirk Cutter has, because he's going to send guys on routes that probably just aren't going to get the ball. And that's something Mike Evans, I think, had 175 targets last year, led the league, which is crazy to think because of the lack of threats that he had everywhere else. And you brought the stat about James trying to push the ball down the field. Um, it, you know, he has some accuracy issues that he has to deal with himself even beyond not really having the weapons. Uh, he definitely just has to get better as a deep ball passer. But like you said, yeah, shootouts were not their forte last year. And it wasn't a glaring issue. But yeah, when you look back on the season, you said they weren't very good when the points started getting real high. They need to be good at both. And, and good teams know how to, playoff teams really, know how to win both kinds of games. You know, they know how to win in defensive stands, and they know how to win an offensive shootouts. The Bucks, as a franchise, have never been good at racking up those points on the scoreboard. And, and this year, they finally have that, and Deshaun's going to be a big piece. Whether he gets – I know fantasy people, I've talked to fantasy people about this. Whether he gets the ball or not, he's going to be a great part of this offense. But it might not be as much of the Deshaun as a number one like we've seen in the past. But in terms of compliment, I'm with you. This might be his best spot he's ever had. Um, I'm curious about Jameis and sort of he's entering a third year. And I remember with Matt Ryan, it was the third year that sort of really showed his uh, big growth as a quarterback that could sort of not necessarily like carry an offense, but sort of just be that guy that can go out there and, and win you some games. He he won a bunch of uh, games in 2010 in his third year with um, some fourth quarter comebacks. Um, and, and sort of that's what the year where it sort of, shifted from a Michael Turner-led offense to a, a Matt Ryan-led offense, and, and he hasn't looked back since. I'm, I'm curious, do you feel like this is going to be the year now with some of the pieces around Jameis where he can make that leap? It's the third year in his offense, and, and similar to Matt Ryan, you know, history tells us that when a quarterback can come into the league and learn one offense, it does wonders for their development. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Jameis and, and sort of what growth he can have this year? Weapons-wise, coach-wise, and team-wise, Jameis is in the exact position that you would want him to be. There was a lot of debate, you know, who do the Bucks take number one overall, Mariota or Winston? Well, I think both guys got the right quarterback for what they wanted to do. I really do. Even though Marcus Mariota has gotten off to a much better jump on his career, efficiency-wise, I still think that in the long run, both of the, the teams made the pick that made the most sense for their franchise, uh, not only talent-wise, but personality-wise, too. I think that they were both great fits, and so... You are right. This year, years three and four for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, which Winston is, those are the years that you really see something. And it's rare that everything kind of comes together the way it has for Winston, where he has the exact scenario that he could possibly want. So there have been a lot of things with him growing up, you know, it, it, his time in high school, his time at Florida State, and even his early time in the NFL, where you have seen some of the immaturities in his game, not in him, 
just in his game. And what I mean by that is, for the majority of his life, Jameis Winston has been the best player on the football field whenever he stepped on the field. He was in high school. He was, we, we saw it at Florida State. And the NFL is the first time where he's ever really had to, I guess, you know, like be much more conscious about how he played the game of football. Because even at Florida State, his, his first year was great statistically. 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But he had plenty of throws that just got caught by better athletes that were at Florida State or just passes that should, really shouldn't have been caught anyways that, that, that went in his favor. Then the next year, you think you saw things balance out where some of those bad throws, bad decisions, bad accuracy actually hurt him in the stat column. You get to the NFL and you realize, okay, I guess that's still a thing. And so he still has those little things that he has to get over. But since realizing that his his first year in the NFL, he has progressively gotten a little bit better with accuracy and decision making. This third and fourth year, though, I'm with you. That's the year he can really take the jump. And so... This little window that they have Deshaun Jackson for, you know, Deshaun's, I think, uh, 32, 33 years old, something like that. They've got him under a three-year deal. The timetable in which Deshaun Jackson is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, these next three years, are really the years that you could see this team take off. And it's it's going to also need to see something better from Winston because certainly his weapons haven't been ideal to this point, but he has not been ideal to this point either. So he has to take the next step. He's in the right spot to take the next step. So if he can, if he is this guy with all this potential and this high ceiling that we think he is, he will make it within these next three years. So you're right. I I think this is the timetable for him. Okay. Uh, I do want to talk about the defense, which saw a a big improvement last year under uh, a guy that I know my listeners are familiar with, with Mike Smith. Do you feel like the addition of Chris Baker and some of the additions they've made in the secondary as well, really at linebacker, so all three levels they've made some additions. Do you feel like that can get this defense to a level where it's, uh, you know, what they call a playoff caliber defense that can go out there, go toe-to-toe with some of the better offenses in the league? Sure. I, I think the biggest thing with Mike Smith's defense has just been time. Um, he Last year, they talked about the communication, how it wasn't great, how guys were really learning the first-year system with him. This year, every single defensive player we have talked to has said, we're on a whole nother level this year. We're not starting from ground zero like we were last year. We're not learning the terminology for the first time. We have our communication. We have our chemistry in place. And that was shown when the Bucks went on their five-game win streak last year. The defense was stellar with communication and execution. So another year with, with experience in that. Um, you get Vernon Hargraves now another year in. Uh, he should be a lot more solidified on the outside. He was really picked on last year as a rookie. The thing that worries me is certainly the safeties, the back end guys. They played well during that win streak, but I don't know I don't know how sustainable that kind of success will be. You know, down the stretch they played well when Keith Tandy came in for the injured Chris Conti. Um, but now no Bradley McDougal's there. It's Conti starting on this other side of Tandy, so we'll see. But in terms of Chris Baker, it certainly doesn't hurt, right? This guy is a guy who was a top twenty efficiency interior defensive lineman last year. You throw him in the mix and that allows you to get pretty creative because Chris Baker has played in a 3-4 before. Um, Noah Spence has as well as an edge rusher. So now that you have your true nose tackle on your team who is good and your true stand-up edge rusher if you want, you could see some 3-4 looks from this team. And that's a big topic that Bucks fans have been going back and forth on, how multiple this defense is really going to get. And I think the key is that 
Mike Smith has said he likes to be as versatile as possible on every layer of the defense. And so when you throw Chris Baker into this group, it allows you to get even more versatile on the front, which allows you to do more creative things on the back end too. So I think that's the biggest addition with Baker's. Certainly his talent is great, but it's what they can do from a, from a personnel standpoint with the addition of him that I think is going to make the most impact with this defense. That'd be interesting to see. Um, I know one of the big question marks about the Bucks, and I'll, I'll let you go with, with this one, Trevor, um, is the offensive line. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting J.R. Sweezy, who's their big offseason signing last year. Um, Donovan Smith has been a big question mark at left tackle. This uh, Everything I've read and heard is basically this is a make-break year. If he doesn't step up this year, then they're going to be probably looking at a left tackle very high in the draft or, or if they – if one is available in, in free agency next year, Ali Marpet's supposed to be moving the center. Um, mm-hmm. Tamar Dotson, who missed a good portion of last year with injury, but you know may not be sort of peak Tamar Dotson that he was a, a couple of years ago when he was playing his best football. Do you feel like this offensive line can do just enough to keep Jameis clean enough to sort of allow him to do the things that he's able to do, extend plays, get outside the pocket and, and hit those uh, big plays to his, his weapons. Yeah, certainly uh, can't throw the ball if you don't have time. So the two tackles are the biggest question mark spots. I think Ali Marpet's going to be totally fine at center. He's been taking backup center reps since he got in the league. Uh, that's not going to be a big deal at all. They're hoping J.R. Sweezy's back. He's been practicing the whole time, obviously. He went through a little conditioning test before they restructured his contract, and they just hope his back is holding up. So they're hoping they obviously get him there. And then Kevin Pample is going to be the other guard that's going to start. He's entering in a contract year, so he'll have a lot to play for. But Dotson and Smith, man, it's going to come down to them because these are two, I believe, two of the three top five penalized players in the entire league last year when it comes to total yards, and, and that's with plenty of holding penalties, right? So uh, the, those are guys who – DeMar Dotson has been a solid right tackle, and I think that he could be solid again in these next couple of years. And he's a cut down on the penalties, certainly. But Donovan Smith, yeah, he's the big question. Uh, very young when they drafted him. I believe he was 20, 21 years old. Now he's 22, 23, two years into the league. Good thing about him, he's never hurt. Uh, hasn't to this point, you know, knock on wood. He started all 32 games of his NFL career. He's been the starting left tackle since he got in. They like his potential, but boy, has he been a raw prospect, maybe more raw than they thought that they were getting when they drafted him in the second round because he is a, he's a, he's a mauler. He's a strength guy, and there are certain you know little inside moves or spin moves or this and that that just if you force him to shuffle one way or another and he's not ready for it, boy, does he get beat bad, or he has in the past. And so this is a big year for him because you're right. If the Bucks, the Bucks are likely going to be right near a playoff spot, if not getting into the playoffs, and that means that most of their team is pretty solidified for a playoff caliber football team. The one area that's not might be their left tackle. So if he doesn't really shape up this year, you're right. They could be seeing – we could be seeing the Bucks taking a left tackle in the first round, wherever it is they end up picking. But he's the big question mark. Not so worried about the interior. I'm, I'm, I think the interior will be fine as long as Sweezy is healthy. I think Dodson will rebound better than he did last year. I think he will be solid. But, uh, yeah, big year for Smith. It really is because if he is not better, he's going to have to start watching his back, even though he's young still and only three years in the league. You got to win. And this three year window, I think that they know that it's a three year window for them. So uh, they're not going to waste any time if, if one of their offensive linemen isn't up to par. 
Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, certainly, I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup because, um, you know, it's particularly with the Falcons and, and the Bucks because if this, you know, I think the tale of the two games um, last year with the game that the Bucks won and the Falcons won, I think one obviously was the Falcons' offense was definitely clicking in that second game more so than they were in week one. But the Falcons were able to get some pressure on, on Jamison and really bring him down a couple of times to sort of really affect him. And I think given those weapons, um, that's the one sort of Achilles heel that if, if this thing derails for the box, then not to suggest that, you know, it's going to go terribly, but if it, they just don't make that leap um, that many people suspect they are, I think people will be looking at that offensive line as, as the primary reason. Because when you, as you say, when you look at the rest of the roster, you know, besides some question marks in the secondary, um, you, you don't find a lot of flaws that right, suggest right. that they're they're not certainly don't have the talent to be a playoff sort of team. Yep, no, I'm with you. That's that's got to be the area that it's probably going to point to if there's a downfall, um, because the rest of the roster it's on paper, on paper, you know, we're uh, we're talking to the offense and everything is the on paper, the the in the the in theory kind of thought, but uh, that's one of the few question marks they have because they have done such a good job of drafting and and of bringing free agents in. Yeah. Well, Trevor, I, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on talking bucks with me. Yeah. Um, I, I hope too many of my listeners didn't tune out with the, the positivity uh, <laughs> directed at, at the division rival here on this podcast. But, uh, they could, they could take it. They yeah, got a good team. Yeah. You know, I always think it's, it's good to be informed about the other teams to, and it certainly makes the matchups a lot more intriguing if, if you're not just going into it like, oh, they're the bucks, they're terrible. And, you know, but uh, let the people know where they can find your stuff and, and what you guys got on deck over at Locked On NFL Draft. Yeah, uh, you follow me on Twitter. That's where I do a lot of my uh, tomfoolery at Tampa Bay Trey T R E. Uh, if you want to follow Buck stuff, you want to do some spying, some snooping. I write over at Pewter Report, so you can follow that if you'd like to. And then, yeah, Locked On NFL Draft every single weekday with, with John Ledyard. He's my co-host there. So if you're an NFL draft nut. Uh, come hang out with us for a little bit. We do all kinds of Fan Friday stuff where we get involved with the listeners and they get to ask the questions and, and kind of control the show a little bit. So it's a good time if you're a big NFL draft fan. There you go. All right, Trevor, appreciate you coming on. And I hope uh, when the Falcons play the Bucks, uh, get another opportunity to, to talk a little bit more in depth, not just on the, the paper matchups, but the actual matchups this season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Aaron. All right, man. Appreciate it. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. All right, guys, that was the show, and um, appreciate Trevor coming on. As I said, I like having people talk football as opposed to just talking trash about other teams. Um, I think the Bucks are a team that could really challenge us. I know that's been a thing that has been said for many, many years, including by myself, and it has fallen incredibly flat. Alan used to make fun of me for, uh, I think there was one year where I had the Bucks finishing nine and seven and, and the Packers finishing like eight and eight or something like that. I think that was like two years ago. And uh, that did not 
come to fruition. I think that that actually might've been like the Josh McCown year. So it's even more inexcusable um, how that didn't work out. But it it is one of those things where I think the Bucks are, are a team that could really, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, they're going to go to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But I, I do think they're a team that has the most going for it in terms of, you know, creating problems for a team like the Falcons, assuming the Falcons don't suffer a huge, huge dramatic drop off. Um, you know, I think Deshaun Jackson, in terms of what he brings to the table, it's going to be an interesting match of how the Falcons deal with that. Just because, you know, looking at their wide receiver core, Jackson and Evans on the outside and Adam Humphreys in the middle in the slot, you know, Humphreys is, is nothing to most people, but you know, you go back to the, a couple of those games, he, he gave Brian Poole a little bit of trouble. And, you know, if the option is, okay, we're going to move Robert Alford to the slot, then that means Jalen Collins is going to be covering either Deshaun Jackson or Mike Evans. Um, and Jalen Collins really struggled with speed last year. And to me, putting him on Deshaun Jackson would just be a, a very bad matchup. And so in that instance, you would say, okay, put truth on him, Deshaun Jackson. That seems like a perfect matchup. But then you put Jalen Collins on Mike Evans. Now, Size-wise, physicality-wise, maybe Jalen Collins handles his own. But Mike Evans is a top five, top six receiver. And so you know the situation is going to be that they're going to pick on Jalen Collins in that situation. Oh, you know, if I'm Jameis, and I think if any human being out there would be like, okay, I see Trufon on on Deshaun and and Poole or Alfred on Humphreys. I'm not going there because I know better than that. That's just a a matchup, you know, that – at the very worst case, that's a break-even matchup, or the Falcons have a, a considerable advantage there. Um, but the one area where we do have an advantage is um, at that other wide receiver position with Mike Evans. So I'm just going to force, you know, I'm going to make Jalen Collins have to earn his paycheck. And so I, I wouldn't want to put Jalen Collins in that position. So I do think it's an interesting sort of matchup. Now, probably the best-case scenario is you just put pull in the slot against Humphreys and you have let Alford handle Deshaun and, and Trufant on Mike Evans, I think. Um, but it is one of those things. If if Mike Evans is given Alford and, and Trufant problems like he did last year in that rematch game, um, I don't think, I don't expect Jalen Collins to fare any better in that situation. So we'll see how it goes. I think that's the problem. And so that goes back to the point I was bringing up early, at the end about the offensive line where the Falcons pass rush is going to have to sort of carry the weight there because I think the Bucks potentially – have the receiver core where our vaunted secondary, our, our you know our top level secondary. I don't want to make that sound sarcastic, like I'm saying that they're not deserving of the, all the praise that they get because they they are certainly. I think they're the only reason their defense looked even even halfway decent at times last year. Um, but yeah, it's really going to be on the pass rush to sort of step up and and having a guy like Marpet at center, you know, sort of. I won't say mitigates the addition of Poe, but you don't have as easy a matchup there as you would if Joe Holly was there. So it puts a lot on uh, uh, Grady Jarrett to sort of expose J- the great J.R. Sleazy, I should I should always preface, um, or Kevin Pample. And uh, Vic had a very good game against DeMar Dotson in that Week 9 matchup last year, so I, I would hope he can do that. And then, you know, Donovan Smith is, <laughs> you put anybody over there on that side tack. Uh, Claiborne Brooks, and he they should be able to eat. So it, it, I think it, the Falcons certainly have ways of compensating this matchup, and I, you know I don't want to go on too too much longer about this, but I just I do think you have to recognize the threat before you can answer 
um, or, or come up with a, a legitimate response to it. So that's, that's what we're doing here. We will continue with the NFC South shows. Uh, I got another one on deck about Carolina. Um, and then we'll soon come to a new Orleans saints one. Uh, we'll save that one for last, I guess. Um, Cause you know, you save the worst for last or the best for last, depending on your perspective, the, the best uh, rivalry, the worst team. Um, and uh, Eric Solbert show is, is, is on deck soon. That should be coming out soon as well. And uh, we'll keep the fan talk going as well. And, and that's something we'll pick up in, in the next week or so. And so that's what's on deck for this show, guys. I appreciate you guys giving me this listen. Um, you know what to do. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Five stars, if you will. I will read those reviews on this show on the air. Um, you know where to find us. You know where to contact us. Um, that is Locked On Falcons on Twitter. Locked On Falcons on Facebook. Locked On Falcons at mail dot com is the email address. That's the best way if you want to be a fan on this show. That's the best way to get in contact with me. That way I can sort of keep your contact information straight. And so therefore you don't have to like tweet at me and say, this is whatever. Like, you know, that's how you can send me that contact information. So if you want to be on the show, you know, uh, let me know in an email that you want to be on the show. Give me whatever contact information that you want. If you got a Skype account or if you got a phone number that I can reach you at. And then, you know, let me know what your sort of how open your schedule is. If, if most evenings are, if certain days work for you, whatever the case may be, we can work around that and, and see what it is. Uh, I won't promise that everybody who sends in a request is going to uh, be on the show because, you know, I, I can't. Um, what's the word? I can't even think of the word. I can't, uh, you know, all of you guys can't. I can't. Whatever that word is. Um Accommodate. That's the word. I'm sorry. Like I, I could. I was like, it's a C. It's, there's a C in it. Um, I was thinking, come in. Accommodate everybody. Um, I'm bad at speaking. And uh, so, but like you know, the the earlier you send those in, the more likely it is that you will be on the show. Um, so if you haven't sent sent that request in as of yet, then get those in um, in the coming days as you listen to this episode. You know, pause this bad boy right now. And, and, and send off that email. Um, you know, you, you might want to wait till you get to the stoplight if you're if you're in your car listening to this. You know, don't text and drive or whatnot. But um, other than that, like that's what to do. Audioboom.com, fireplanes.com. You can leave a comment there. That's another way to get in contact with the show. Not necessarily to be on the fan talk, but just you you have a comment, a general comment or a question that you want to send in. We're going to do some Q and A's in the coming days and weeks as well. So that's on deck as well. So, all right. Longest outro ever. I say that every time, but it seems to get longer every time. So that's it guys. Appreciate you guys giving this listen. Um, I hope too much of the, the, the praising of the bucks didn't bother you guys, but I do think this was a very informative episode and that's what we try to do um, on this podcast. We, this is in the Royal, we myself and my ego. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. 
Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.